Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 54 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. How are you? I hope that wherever you are, you're doing really, really well. It's the first week of spring here in Tassie and it's been such a mild winter, as I've said a few times, but oh, I've just, it's amazing. (laughs) Summer's almost around the corner and I just love spring. I do love every season. There's something that I enjoy about every single season, but to feel that warmth in the sun again and see the, the blossoms and the flowers and oh, the blue skies, it's just magic absolutely magical and I enjoy it even more because I've got the kids and we can get outside and we can do things and play and we don't need so many layers of clothing it's just amazing so that's awesome work has been really busy but enjoyable actually it's been lots of amazing client discussions and helping clients do a lot of different things um, including facilitation recently so that was a huge learning curve and um, yeah awesome Absolutely loved it. A lot of colleagues were like, oh, are you exhausted? And I was like, no, actually, I really, really enjoyed that piece of work. And I guess, you know, my coaching has obviously played a huge part in my ability to help um, and add a lot of value in that and my emotional intelligence. So, yeah, just thoroughly enjoyed that work. And it was great to really add value to clients in a very short time frame. So it didn't require a lot of work, but the work was really meaningful. So it had a big, big impact um, for, yeah, something I've been training for years for. So, yeah, felt great. Today we're talking about emotional maturity and it's something that has been coming up um, a lot for me lately, mainly because as a mum, having a two and a four-year-old, there are moments, (laughs) definitely more than there has been in the past 20 years of my life, where my inner seven-year-old comes out in full force because it's reacting to the two little people that I'm raising and I'm looking after. One of the biggest things that's been happening at the moment is my eldest child, Parker. Um, He recently went and got dressed by himself in the morning and he was so proud that he could do it all by himself. And so it was a really great thing. I didn't have to help him in the morning. It freed me up with some time. Uh, And then all of a sudden, the other day, he was like, I need help. And I thought, okay. And I asked him to go and get dressed and, oh, no, I need help. So the other morning I asked him to get a start without me to get dressed and if he really, really did need my help, I'd come and and help, obviously. Reluctantly, he agreed. Off he went to his room and I thought, oh, it's going to be great. You know, like most families, we have a set amount of time to get out the door in the morning and instead of getting dressed like he'd been asked to do multiple times, he was jumping around and playing. The beauty is... That lack of conscientiousness that children have about time. You know, they take so much time to do things and they are so in the moment and distracted by what's around them. And it's just such a lovely thing to watch when you have the time. (laughs) Um, And it's also, you know, older people that have that too. So that grandparent, grandchild relationship is such a pure relationship and it's 
beautiful to watch because, yeah, there's all this time. Anyway, while him playing was super, super cute, we had to get him to school and I had to get to work. We had to get our day started. So he'd been in his room for what felt like 20 minutes or so. And I said, Parker, are you dressed yet? And the response I got was, yes. And then he walked out of his room without any clothes on and I just lost it. I was like, (laughs) my seven-year-old just was like, pack up get dressed right now. And I'm finding that in the beginning, when there's time, I'm patient and I'm patient, I'm patient. And then when I'm not listened to over and over again, and the time gets tighter and tighter, I hit a point where I'm very, very done being patient. So I'm having a lot of these moments lately that I'm noticing where my inner child's coming out because I've tried every other tool in my toolkit to get them to listen and respond in a way that helps us all out and then I lose it. On the flip side of that, I head into work and as a leader in the business, I want to be seen as professional. To me, that means appearing level-headed, stoic, non-reactive, in control, which in management consultant land is so far from how I feel the majority of the time. Damien and I were watching this uh, series recently. Um, I think it was called Outlast and it was about people surviving in Alaska, like barren, remote Alaska, and they had to outlast each other. That was the game. And the amazing thing about the show was that people that couldn't last and asked to be released from the game and sent home early were people who hadn't been able to cope with the thoughts really that they were thinking. Not 100% of the time, but what it really boiled down to was their ability to deal with their emotions. They could deal with everything else. They could deal with the environment, the cold, the hunger, the wet, the dark, and they couldn't deal with their own thoughts and what their minds were saying while in that environment that lacked the everyday stimulus that you and I are used to. Phones, Facebook, friends, billboards, radio, music, TV, connection, energy, food, stimulation, you know, the energy that we get from crowds of people and the environment around us. And what was also amazing that there was still this moral hierarchy, kind of Lord of the Flies style. And the group that won, they had set the standard for moral behaviour in that not only were they really great at the game itself, but the bonds that they had really helped them get through and manage their minds, but they also established that moral code for everybody else in terms of what type of behaviour was above the line or, you know, acceptable or not acceptable. And they made the decision to send people home who asked to join their camp based, which is part of the game, um, based on their behaviour throughout the whole game, whether they'd done the right thing or not. And by establishing what was, quote, fair or not throughout the whole game. So my natural way of being is emotional. I have openly cried on public transport. I openly cry at work. (laughs) And I definitely cry at home. It's just a way that I express myself, really. You know, if I feel the need to, I'm very heart on sleeve and transparent. You can see how I'm feeling quite easily from what I emit and the energy it takes for me to hide how I'm feeling is significant. And so I tend to lean into being more open about how I'm feeling and express that. I'd rather lay it out and let the consequences be what they may and if there are any repercussions for that matter Um, because to try to hide it or manipulate it is something that energetically drains me. However, 
What I'm noticing though is as a leader, if I lead with emotion and I'm panicked or uncertain or frustrated, that transfers to those around me. And to my surprise, even those higher on the food chain than me, which I could never have anticipated. So in my mind, leadership in an organization, I think of in accordance to hierarchy. So that should mean that the higher ranking somebody is, the higher level of emotional maturity that person has. And therefore, due to the fact that emotional maturity means somebody can keep their emotions in check, that makes way for having conversations that have greater impact and higher amounts of risk and are considered maybe to be more serious and of a higher level in the organization and what those people are privy to. So instead of the conversations freaking people out or causing people to go into a heightened emotional state, which may not be productive and may scare people or influence people negatively, at those higher levels of an organization, the conversation is, we have a problem and we need to find a solution. Where people don't have a certain level of emotional maturity or a lesser level of emotional maturity, which has been my lesson recently, the conversation at that kind of a level Instead of it being, we have a problem, we need to find a solution, it's, oh my God, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? What's going to happen? What's the worst case scenario? And it's a big freak out and there is nothing rational or calm or pragmatic about it, which means it's not helpful, it's not productive and problems can't be solved because people are in panic mode. So right now, my growth as an employee and a leader is actually about emotional maturity. While I feel very emotionally mature, the way I present it sometimes and express my emotions doesn't reassure people higher ranking than me in the organization that I am calm and that I can have and hold space for a conversation that ha- carries a lot of weight, whether it's cash flow, whether it's redundancies, wh- you know, whatever that might be. So it's been a really, really good lesson. Um, And instead, I need to be exhibiting emotions that are calm, that enable logical and pragmatic discussions. And therefore, you know, we can calmly try to find a solution. Where I've also seen this exact thing play out is when I've seen a relationship where one person's really insecure. Because instead of thinking through what's going on logically and pragmatically and having trust. I mean, there's multiple layers to this. I I appreciate that. But it's this, this has happened in the past and therefore this person's doing this to me. They're cheating. They're going and having um, an affair or they're lying to me or, you know, whatever it might be that, that it has been a catalyst for them feeling that way or thinking that way. And instead of having the emotional maturity to go, hang on, maybe this person isn't going to cheat on me like my last partner, or maybe they're just out with friends and they're being present and not on their phones, which is why they're not reaching back to me. Um, You know, insert scenario here, I'm sure you've all experienced something similar or witnessed it in somebody else, but instead it's remaining calm enough to have a conversation to go, hang on, well, this is 
what I was feeling and this is what I thought. Instead, you, you jump to conclusions and then start firing bullets when actually the person's done nothing wrong. It's in scenarios like that where emotions are such an inhibitor to crucial conversations and really effective communication because there isn't room for pragmatism, there isn't room for trust, there isn't room for openness and honesty because immediately if you attack somebody in that way or you accuse somebody, the chances of them jumping on the defensive are very, very high. So it creates even more distrust, it erodes trust And that heightened emotional state actually doesn't serve you, it doesn't serve the person you're trying to talk to, and it corrodes the relationship. The part I have a problem with when it comes to emotional maturity and the part of it that I resist is that I'm extremely passionate about what I do. I'm not an on-the-fence kind of person, and I don't see the point in doing anything if I'm half-hearted about it. I can find inspiration in something. I can find fascination of an element of it or I can find curiosity and ways to be interested in things that otherwise I wouldn't have any care about at all. But sometimes it's more forced and that's okay. But I am a two feet in person. I'm not one foot out, one foot in. And no job I've ever done has been joyous 100% of the time. But I can find a way to get on board with it and to enjoy it. And I think the grapple that I've had is that if I exhibit emotional maturity or leadership or professionalism in the way of stoicism and pragmatism and being calm, I think I've always felt like that was going to not be true to me and not be true to who I am and exhibiting excitement and exhibiting passion uh, and Also, I I see it as part of my youthfulness, which I don't really want to lose, but it's just something that's been coming up for me lately and I'm slowly discounting that it doesn't mean that I lose my youthfulness or that I appear, you know, bored or whatever else I might feel about it. It's actually just a way of exhibiting self-control to manage my emotions and work to understand them before I actually share them with anybody else. It's not about emotions being weakness. It's about understanding what I'm feeling and the emotions I'm experiencing and then choosing how to leverage them to make a point or to further my agenda or what it is that I actually want. So I was in a conversation very recently where I was extremely frustrated. I I was shaking. I was that frustrated. And I was very proud of myself because instead of firing off the way that I would have done in the past, I took a deep breath and I asked myself, why am I frustrated? What do I need to know to not be frustrated? And the answer came to me and I was able to to communicate that. I had to grip something under the table so I could adjust my tone of voice because otherwise (laughs) it wouldn't have been good. Um, But I had to really think about it and go inward to understand what I was feeling and why and ask a better question instead of just firing off. So I want to expand our understanding, you know, with real life examples that showcase the power of emotional maturity in various contexts. So you know, 
emotional maturity, it starts early. And this is for the parents that are listening to this. So let's start with my role as a parent. The journey of raising children. It's a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> and it's here that I've learned valuable lessons in emotional maturity. So imagine this dinner time, my youngest, she's two years old um, and she's in a foul mood. I've cooked her favorite meal, but for some reason, you know, she's in tears. She's pushing the plate away. She's demanding popcorn, which seems to be her favorite snack at the moment. And my instinctive response is anger and confusion and annoyance, impatience, because she ate this meal yesterday. Why won't she eat it today? And through the growth in emotional maturity, I've come to realize that my child's behavior is often a reflection of her emotions. And instead of reacting emotionally, I'm learning, still learning, L plates, to approach the situation from a place of, I wouldn't say empathy, because empathy is like I feel her. And, and while I do, I've also got that pragmatism, that logic that comes with age that she doesn't have yet. But I'm, I try to reason with her and explain it a bit further. I mean, yes, she's only two. So I usually speak to her in a way that tries to reassure her that, you know, it's okay. And just to try to calm her down, because if I can calm her down, then we can have a chat. Um, and I try to ask her what's bothering her. And if she can communicate that with me, which she she does, she can sometimes, then that simple shift in my response allows her to express her emotions and helps me to guide her through how she's feeling. So emotional maturity isn't just about managing our own emotions. It's about fostering emotional growth in others too. And I think that's absolutely true for leaders in the workplace. And navigating leadership challenges, you know, there's two different approaches. So transitioning to my role as a leader in business, I've encountered instances where emotional maturity has played a crucial role in the outcomes achieved. So two contrasting scenarios that can illustrate the same point here. In the first scenario, I'm facing a team that's dealing with a sudden setback. So emotions are running high. There's palpable sense of frustration and disappointment in the air. And my initial instinct sometimes is to match their emotional intensity to show solidarity. However, I've learned that as a leader, my emotional response sets the tone for the team. So instead of adding fuel to the fire, I approach it with a calm and measured demeanor. Sometimes that means I need to go away and I need to process my emotions for myself first before I can then hold space for the others. But by acknowledging the emotions in the room and sharing my perspective in a composed manner, I'm able to channel the team's energy towards productive problem solving. And this approach, grounded in emotional maturity, fosters an environment where challenges are addressed with rationality and collaboration, which means we get a better outcome than what we would if only one person was trying to come up with a solution. So in a different scenario, you know, I've met with resistance from a team member who disagrees with a proposed pro approach. Emotions are high. The conversation's veering towards conflict. The old me might have just responded defensively, <laughs> frustrated, but Instead, the emotional maturity has taught me the value of active listening. So in this, I take a deep breath, I listen and let them air all of their concerns. And by demonstrating that I'm open to hearing their viewpoint, I can diffuse the heightened emotion. Once they've emptied out, they usually subside and then they're willing to listen as well. And if I can respond with empathy and acknowledge their perspective, then I can explain the reasons behind the strategy. And through this approach, emotional maturity becomes a bridge to understanding and conflicts can actually become opportunities for growth instead. 
The ripple effects of emotional maturity, so creating positive environments, it's one of the most impactful realizations I've had about emotional maturity. You know, it's ability to shape the dynamics of an entire environment. The ripple effect is especially evident in organizational settings. So consider a workplace where a leadership team models emotional maturity, open communication, active listening, uh, not just buzzwords. You know, they're integral to how decisions are made, how conflicts are resolved. Employees are encouraged to voice their opinions without fear of backlash, knowing that their emotions will be met with understanding. You know, in this environment, the toxic cycle of emotional reactions is broken. So instead of knee-jerk responses leading to drama and toxicity and tension, you know, conversations instead are grounded in respect and openness and emotional intelligence, which actually enhances psychological safety, it boosts morale, and it paves the way for greater productivity. Personal growth is an ever-evolving journey. And as I reflect on my journey with emotional maturity, I'm reminded that growth is a continuous process. Emotional maturity isn't a destination. It's something that you work on over and over again. You continuously improve it and you put one foot in front of the next and keep going in every interaction and every decision. Just the other day, my son Parker once again tested my patience (laughs) during our morning routine. And instead, this time, my response was different. Instead of allowing my inner child to dictate my reaction, I took a deep breath and I approached the situation with empathy. And I asked, is there a reason you need my help, Bubby? And it turned out he was having difficulty because he has a really nasty cut on his finger and it's got a Paw Patrol Band-Aid on it. And he was finding that when he was putting his arms through his sleeves that he was hitting it and it was being quite painful. And by acknowledging his struggles and offering him assistance and my understanding of what he was going through and why he wanted my help, the tension was diffused and it just paved the way for a much smoother morning. And this small victory, it's a testament to growth that I've experienced in emotional maturity. Same with, you know, my work colleague recently. And it's a reminder that the more we cultivate the skills the more it becomes integrated into our responses and shapes the outcome of both our personal and professional interactions. So my friends, as we continue on our journey of self-discovery and growth, let's remember that emotional maturity is a gift that we can not only give ourselves, but we also give to those around us by navigating the things that we come up against, you know, the challenges that we experience instead of with reactions, but with consideration of our emotions that it provokes and then giving ourselves grace and empathy, you know, we can create our environments where our emotions are actually a source of strength rather than chaos. Before we wrap up, I want to leave you with a challenge, a challenge to embrace emotional maturity in your own life. It's not always easy, but the rewards are immeasurable. Start by taking a moment to reflect on how you've responded in challenging situations. Have there been times when emotional reactions have taken over? And now think about how those situations may have unfolded differently if you had approached them with more emotional maturity. Consider adopting a practice of mindfulness, a moment of pause before reacting. This simple act can make all the difference in your interactions, helping you respond thoughtfully rather than reactively. And remember that emotional maturity isn't about suppressing emotions. It's about harnessing their power for positive outcomes. 
And until next time, may your journey in emotional maturity be filled with growth and wisdom and positive and better connections. So I will see you next week. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have the listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.